desolation. That often feels like our default status for life. Whether we're picking up the pieces from war, from financial trouble, a broken marriage, words we said in anger, whether it's on that global or macro level, or whether it's in our homes, or just down in the recesses of our heart, we know that sin can leave us feeling so empty. It's the default of our human experience, but it's not the end. In fact, as we traveled through this strange season of Lent in 2020, I think we need to know now, maybe more than ever before, that death and darkness and pain and loss and fears, all of those markers of desolation, we need to know now more than ever, they will not have the final word. Thankfully for us as God's beloved children, we can know that life is assured for us in Jesus. It's promised, it's non-negotiable. And that knowledge that God is with us, that he has come to fill the empty and desolate places that sin creates in us. As we enter into God's word today, we're going to look at those promises and that reality between hopelessness and darkness and the things that sin creates and hope and joy and restoration that we know in Jesus Christ. Restoration is something we're longing for perhaps now more than ever before. I remember growing up as a kid in Western Pennsylvania, I'd go down to my godfather's house and he was like a grandfather to me and he had a lot of cars and they were all in various states of, well, depending on who you asked, either desolation or restoration of resurrection. And I wanted him to fix those cars up. Man, did I want him to get them done so we could drive them and enjoy them. And I struggled because he had to find the parts and line up the work. And one time I remember he restored a 1941 Ford and it had a rumble seat. And it was so frustrating to wait because we had to actually take the entire car apart to rebuild it. We even chopped the roof off and lower it, repaint it, change the engine, the transmission. But man, when it was done, it was worth all the work. Today, we're going to try to take a similar, a longer view from God's perspective of his redemptive work in our world. And we're going to look at the promises he's revealed to us in Ezekiel, the very familiar passage of the dry bones in Ezekiel 37. And we're going to move into that foretaste of that promise as it's fulfilled in John chapter 11 with the story of Lazarus. And we're calling this message today, Giving Up Our Lives. And we're going to st step back and take a look at that redemptive reality. As much as we are able to see things from God's perspective, to ask ourselves, what does it mean for me today to see my life as being in God's hands, awaiting redemption, since we, much like my godfather's cars, often feel as if we are waiting either resurrection or desolation. In our lives, we have blessings and hopes and losses and sometimes even suffering. It's important that we step back and to see our lives as they are in God's hands. Let's start today in Ezekiel chapter 37. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by his Spirit, and he set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. He said, prophesy concerning the bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. 
I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesy as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone on bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them. Flesh grew and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the Lord God says. Breath come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land then you will know that I am the Lord I have spoken and I will do it this is the declaration of the Lord wow what a passage of scripture now Ezekiel is a prophet to God's people as they've been carried off into Babylon into captivity and there's no two ways about it they were there because of their sin God had judged them because time and time again, they had disobeyed him. And we all know this. Sin leads to destruction. It messes up our lives and our relationships and our world. It's like rust on a car that's sitting around waiting to be restored. Sin just eats away at us. We've heard the words of the, in the book of Romans, sin equals death. We've heard from 1 Peter 5.8 that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. He wants to devour us. We know that sin is a present state in our world, and we're now understanding that sin hurts us even on a microscopic level. Sin tries to bring death and destruction and chaos and desolation. I've heard many Christians say in the past days, and I do not agree with this, but they have said that God is particularly and especially seeking to judge and destroy us with this coronavirus. And we, like Ezekiel, may feel desolate and hopeless and even afraid. I understand why people may come to that conclusion with the destruction around us and I'm not going to try to pretend that this virus is not really a terrible thing. It is. There is desolation in the world around us. We're encountering it and we like Ezekiel can feel desolate and hopeless but God does not leave us there. God comes to us as he does with Ezekiel with this question, son of man can these dry bones live? Look at verse 3. Ezekiel gives the response me, we may want to give. When things happen in our world like we're experiencing now, God, only you know. I think that's an honest, even heartfelt answer. Can there be goodness? Can there be hope in the face of such a desolation? But here in this valley of dry bones, teeming with rotted destruction, there seems to be no life and just sin and darkness everywhere. And we're not going to look at something like that and say, well, that's not too bad. We can see that just as we can see the world around us and we can wonder how can we have hope 
In times like Ezekiel experienced, in times like we know today, it's okay for us to say, God, only you know what's happening. Our first point today, God is our one and only hope for life, for restoration, now and forever, for hope, for redemption. It all comes from God. He's the source of life, physical life, spiritual life, eternal, supernatural life. It all comes from one source. And it becomes apparent to us, not just in the bright and bustling and easy moments of our lives, that source, that one and only source of life is best seen against the desolation and the the darkness of the valley of dry bones. Perhaps you're like me looking at the world around you and you worry. You wonder, just as many are worried, what is going to happen next with the economy, with nations? Will I ever have rest? Ezekiel and his people, they felt trapped, they felt afraid as they came face to face with such realities in their world. And yet God is there as the source for life and hope and redemption. And that life comes when the promises of God are spoken to God's people. That's what Ezekiel is called to do. That's what God tells him to do. He says, prophesy to the bones. Tell them God's promises, God's greatness, his power that he can make his people new. He can bring promises of life and wholeness and healing. The breath of God, God's spirit that brings creation to the physical universe, raises the dead to life, the dry and the broken back to resurrection from death to hope. A new life, a new army that's been lifted up from the brokenness and the desolation, from nothingness into life, into hope, into purpose, to be God's people, chosen and restored from what sin has done. That's the promises we see as God brings life from where death once reigned. That's what Ezekiel sees. Suddenly what is hopeless and dark is bright and gleaming and filled with hope. In verse 14, 1, he says, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land that you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it. Think about that promise, what God says. He will do it. There's no chance of failure. There's no hopelessness. He says, I will put my spirit in you and you will live forever. I will provide for you all that I have promised. I have spoken, God says. I will do it. Think about it this way, our next point. This redeemed life in Christ, it brings sure transformation. There is no question, nothing to chance with a sovereign God. He will change our lives and he will call us deeper into him. We, he cannot be stopped. No earthly force, no earthly force or death. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Two things we find are promised here. First, we are promised spiritual oneness with God. He says, I will put my spirit in you. And that's certainly true. We know God's spirit is the sign and seal of our new life in him, given to us the power to see beyond desolation, to have lives and eyes of faith, as Ezekiel was told to do. We have that. And next, we're promised a new mind. We see this, of course, in passages like Romans 12, 1 and 2. But even here, God reminds Ezekiel as a prophet. He's wondering, and he says, God, only you know. But repeatedly, verses 6, 13, 14, God declares again and again. He says, I am the Lord over sin, death, darkness, coronavirus, broken marriages, fear, loss, loneliness, all the things that we think that are going to be taken from us. God says to those things, to all that sin and darkness, I will transform. I will bring new life. I will bring power. I will change things. You will not have the last word. And as we see that, our perspectives are changed as those dry bones come to life. Like Ezekiel, 
And that's the question for all of us today. Do we believe that God is our only hope for new life? And even now with what we face today, that all the promises, all that he promises, that his spirit is with us, that he will renew his, his, our minds, that he has brought us up from the grave, the desolation of sin, of death, of darkness, that all of his promises are certain. In John 11, Jesus goes and his friend Lazarus, he's sick and he's dying. And yet Jesus waits two days. In verse 11, 4, Jesus tells his disciples that Lazarus' sickness will result in God's glory. Now that seems strange. Is God saying here that he uses difficult times, dark times, even where death and darkness seems to be all around, the byproducts of those sin, that God uses those byproducts to shape us and even save us, to open our hearts and minds? He is. He says that that process, he brings life from death. He actually changes the focus of all things, the focus that necessarily has to shift to him, the one and only source of life and of resurrection power, physical, emotional, spiritual, eternal life. He shifts it to him. Mary and Martha, they say to Jesus as their, their brother dies, you know, he's, he's too late. If you'd been here, he would have been saved. Just as Ezekiel said, look, those dry bones. We do that to God. We say, look, God, uh, my life is too broken. My family's a mess. My marriage is a mess. My addiction is too great. I've done too much wrong. We see this all around us, this growing sense of hopelessness and despair. Even in times when there isn't a pandemic, we, we have to learn to look past that and trust that God says, I have the power. The words of life, the words that create the universe, God says, I can heal. I can even resurrect your life. And why does God, why does God who has this power bother to raise us and redeem us, to bring us back from the dust and from the death we've earned in sin? Why does he give us new life? Look at verse 35, the two shortest, the shortest verse in scripture, two words, Jesus wept for Lazarus, but not just for Lazarus, he weeps for us. He weeps for what sin does, how it destroys, how it does tear down, what he sees in the world around us. That's why Jesus came. He came to create new life. He doesn't leave us in the grip of death and sin and darkness. He doesn't leave us rotting on the valley floor. He lifts us up to new life. He's not going to leave us behind. His promises are certain. He will transform us and redeem us. He will raise us to eternal oneness with him because he is the Lord. Look again at verse 40. So that we would know, that we would experience the glory of God. He says, Jesus says, I'm going to do this. I'm the sovereign Lord. I want you to know all God's promises. I want you to experience that new life, that healing, that restoration like Ezekiel promises us, that Jesus comes to deliver on the cross because he wept, because he hates what sin does, because he loves us. And that's the final point today. Jesus will cross any obstacle. He will overcome anything to restore and redeem our lives because he loves us. And he does that so in the process we will give God all glory and all honor because from the death and the despair and the nothingness we have new life, new hope, a new tomorrow. In this shadowy time in our lives, friends, we can have hope because the power of the resurrection, the power of the cross, the promises of new life, they are with us. In verse 25, Jesus says, just as he said to Ezekiel on that day, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Friends, do you believe this? That's the question we must answer for our lives today. Just as Ezekiel had to answer it as he faced the valley of dry bones, 
just as those sisters had to face at the tomb of their brother Lazarus? Do we believe this in our lives? Because that will de determine whether we experience the days to come in the power of resurrection and restoration or if we face desolation. It doesn't mean there won't be dark and difficult moments. I think there will be. But will we trust, even in those moments, that the very words of God, the promises of new life, that we can trust that His Spirit dwells in us, that He will use us, even in those moments, to bring hope, to bring glory to Him as we declare the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to the world around us, even when people can't see it? Will we choose to see life and hope and resurrection with us? Will we choose to know that God loves us and he is with us? Friends, that is our call, to boldly proclaim Jesus Christ, that he's not mad at us and that he is with us. He even dwells in us and we have new life. We can choose to live in that new life and that power of the resurrection, to see with eyes of faith, to speak those words of power, those promises from his word, that he is the sovereign Lord of creation, that he can deliver us from all things. No matter what we see around us or in front of us, God is with us and he loves us. He will never leave us. He will bring us new life, even when it can seem sometimes so far away. Let's pray. God, help us to live in power. We pray in Jesus' name.